There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name is Ezra Marcus, and you're listening to episode 11 of the Thump Podcast. I'm subbing in for our regular host, Emily Friedlander. Every week we bring together a panel of thump editors and other people in our orbit to discuss the people and stories shaping contemporary electronic music and nightlife. Today, we'll be having a special roundtable on the state of rap production in 2017. We'll be discussing both mainstream and underground rap, showcasing both major players and artists making waves on the fringes. We'll also be discussing the way that some producers have maintained their dominance for years and the new trend of rap beats that don't really sound like rap at all. So do you guys want to all go around and introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Drew Millard, freelance writer, Vice and Noisy alumnus. I'm Lawrence Bernie, current staff writer at Noisy. I'm Trey, I'm a social editor and sometimes writer, and I'm technically still on vacation, so yeah. <laughs> Before we get started, go around and tell us your favorite rap beat of the year so far. Let's start with Drew. My favorite is a beat produced by a couple guys named Shannon Hutchins and Noah Gordon. The song is called My Truck by Colt Ford. It is a country rap song that is a rewrite of Mickey Avalon and Dirt Nasty's My Dick. And it's really... It's very, like, crunchy guitars instead of, like, hi-hats. They're, like, banjo twangs. And it sounds like it is from, like, you know, like, those episodes of Star Trek or Star Trek The Next Generation where they, like, find a planet where, like, it's, like, Vulcans that live, like, the 15th century. It sounds kind of like that. My favorite beat this year so far is Massage in My Room. From the future album, the self-titled album, Southside produced it, and I just like it because it's, it's extremely chaotic. Like as soon as the song comes on, it's like I'm kind of listening to an iPhone ringtone, but also it sounds like it's on like some Sonic video game soundtrack, and I listen to that song only for the beat. Speaking of like cell phone beats, isn't there? A song, I think it's just called iPhone Freestyle. I forget the artist, but it's a woman freestyling over the dun 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 I haven't heard that, but I have heard Siri with the Draco. Somebody got the Siri voice to just keep saying Siri with the Draco and they put a trap beat under it. And it's like a three-minute so- three song. It's just like Siri with the Draco and it's the Siri voice. 
I'm listening to that like immediately after this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a long history of phone sound related beats, which I can trace back at least to Nextel Chirp by Massio, <laughs> which I think you've got to give him credit. Got to give Massio credit here. Trey, how about you? My favorite beat, honestly, it's probably T-shirt. Just like yeah. the whole, like, yeah, them franchise boys. It's them franchise boys, right? They slowed it down. My white tee. That, that was Trump, though, that, that whole theory. Like, somebody said, somebody slowed it down on Twitter. I remember that Twitter video, yeah. somebody slowing down the um, them franchise boys beat. But then I think the producer of T-Shirt was like, this is not... Oh, then never This mind. is not like... Yeah, no, if Nardin B said beat. it, yeah, if Nardin B said it's not, then it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But somebody did a real good job of transitioning... Oh, Between man, the that's not songs. my favorite beat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, it's this song called I Got You, which is by Black Youngsta with Slim Jimmy. And it, it's credited to ear drummers, so I guess that probably just means Mike Will made it, but maybe it was his intern. I don't know. But it's off Black Youngsta's mixtape. It's got this, like, really great, like, Johnny Jewel kind of chugging guitar line. It's not something you hear every day. It's pretty special. I think it's interesting Yo Gotti is, like, secretly one of the better A&R men in hip-hop. Like, he has Black Youngsta. He has Snooty. Snooty, yeah. And then he has Wave Chappelle, who oh, is yeah, yeah, not yeah. a great rapper, but he has the <laughs> best rap name. So <laughs> That's debatable, but... <laughs> what is a... I defy you to name a better rap name than Wave Chappelle. Hmm. Might have to get back to you on that. Um, there you go. All right, there you go, Drew. Yeah. I'm glad Drew's still holding it down for the 2013 pun rap name era yes. that we both came from. <laughs> Drew, if you could just give us a quick rundown about, just in broad terms, the current state of ra- radio rap production. Who, who are the major players? How does it work structurally? What's going on here? So I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to answer this because I, of the people sitting at this table, regularly drive around in a large radio called a car. (laughs) And at least in kind of North Carolina rap radio, you see two dominant strains. One is J. Cole, uh, who makes J. Cole beats. And (laughs) the other is sort of this like ambient positivity, childlike wonder over which rappers often make baby noises. And then also you kind of have like the Mike Will like piano plinks. Like there there are a lot of keys on a piano and there are a lot of different combinations that you can go like bloom, boom, bloom, boom, boom, and then put some drums over it. So he's not going to run out of those for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think that Mike Will, somebody like Metro, they just have a strong hold on what's going on right now because they're extremely adaptable like Mike Will is making like ballads for McConan he's making song he made songs for Miley Cyrus then he turns around and makes Gucci on my which is like a super dark sounding song and then Metro Boomin is doing something like uh Kodak Black um just tunnel vision I think tunnel vision, tunnel vision yeah. yeah I think and flutes are definitely flute is the thing right now yeah, big, big year for flutes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Flutes are having a moment. The flute shout was out really, Jethro Tull, The man. flute was shut out for a long time, and the flute absolutely deserves its time to shine. It's just a pretty sound. Like you can't go. It's extremely therapeutic to listen to a song with a flute in it. Can you guess, be, are you allowed to be mad when you're listening to a flute play? No, no. Uh, Trump signed that one into law. It's the one thing he's gotten through Congress. The one good thing. Yeah, it's one good thing he'll do. I guess like the flute is kind of like the logical conclusion of like the like ambient rap of like Black Beatles. Like the next thing is like flute. 
I think it's a return to the pastoral. I think what we're going to see next is jester. We're going to see a jester trend. <laughs> we're currently in like the Renaissance, like lute and lyre thing. And I think we're going to go next into the courtroom and have a jester bells, a jester bells flute kind of thing. Okay, I could see somebody like flipping a Nick Drake song. Also, I'm into the idea of having the flute be the the favorite instrument over the piano because Beethoven has made like every beautiful sound you can make. Well, he has. I know he still, Jay's doing okay with it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the piano is never going to go out of style. Like you have so many people that are, like all Detroit rappers, every beat that they have has some combination of pianos being banged on, and it's not <laughs> even like in a technical. It's not a technically impressive way, but I just like the way that Detroit rappers use the piano. And but yeah, I'm I'm all for the flute being like the new thing. Every every song, most songs that I like a lot this year have a flute in them. We also saw for a few years there's a lot of brass, a lot of very heavy brass, mm-hmm. and I think, especially if you look at like your Lex Luger beat pack, a lot of those kinds of things were really heavy on brass, Hudson Mohawk kind of stuff. And I think that there's this return towards like more of a laid back, gentle kind of atmosphere, and the flute is very contingent. Or what's the word? The the, the flute is just a great thing to help you feel relaxed in a way that the, br- the brass just doesn't do. Also, do you guys feel like the Meek Mill Dreams and Nightmares intro beat is kind of low-key one of the more influential beats? Uh, I'm thinking of, like, T. Grizzly's First Day Out, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to track, especially where Meek finds himself right now, that anybody's going to track anything back to him as being crazy influential. But that song still goes crazy in any club that I go to. Like, people still get excited just by hearing the beat start. Like, people get more excited about that than, like, him rapping, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Or you just want to yell out, hold on, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think there's something to be said for ambient rap kind of having a little moment. There's a lot, there's, I've heard multiple songs over the last couple years where there's just no beat at all. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, curious where where that's coming from. Maybe Kevin Gates' IHOP, yeah. which is for those of you who only listen to dance music because it's a dance music podcast. It's him just like banging on the table in his chest and freestyling, uh, presumably in an IHOP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think even songs like, I guess like a Black Beatles can even fall in fall into that. It's just a really like airy, and I think it's just going into young rappers or just young kids wanting to re- continuously redefine what rap is or like what can be acceptable as rap like Lil Uzi is basically tagging all his songs as alt rock which is not really that but <laughs> I think it just I think it's just a way for him to affirm that what I'm doing is something new that you have to deal with. All of Hendrix kind of fit into that mold if not all of it just like a good deal of it mm-hmm. especially yeah, like Fresh Air that's one of those little like kind of airy it's got a lot of space to do stuff with, and like, because Metro's been doing a good job of like incorporating a lot of negative space in his songs, and these are kind of like the opposite of that, where it doesn't sound like you're falling through a hole that has no bottom. <laughs> <laughs> like it's yeah, it's very, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a whole thing also with like how electronic music and rap music, those lines are starting to like get closer together and blur again. Yeah, because Fresh Air is kind of like a take on Jersey Club, right? Yeah. And then you have Calvin Harris with I Hope We Get That Album Soon. I can't believe I'm saying I Hope We Get a Calvin (laughs) Harris album. But yeah, like what he's been doing with like Thug and like that Migos and uh, Frank Ocean song. 
I think would get him back to like more of like a disco we kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really he's really chugging to make a Hall and Oates album starring rappers. <laughs> I welcome it with open arms. One producer I'm really interested in is Brodinsky, who's been down in Atlanta working with a lot of up-and-coming artists. And people always say, like, oh, like, rap beats that incorporate dance music, and, like, that's often kind of a meaningless cliche, but in his case it actually kind of isn't, where he uses, like, tropes from the bromance records kind of, like, repertoire of sounds, like, sort of like maybe a little bit of, like, an acid house synth line but then the beats are just straight up Atlanta trap and it seems like it's really appealing to a lot of the artists he's working with to have like something that's a little bit less it's got a little bit more of a dance element to it I actually was on a radio show with Brodinski a while back and he was saying one of the things he does his kind of secret is he makes a much more traditional beat that sounds like a thing the rapper would be used to rapping over and then after he has that as kind of like the baseline, then he goes in and throws in all of these more like avant-garde club music elements to it. That's a good idea. Just in general, I, I'm from Baltimore, so like anything with club music, I'm I'm all for. Like that's why I always I really gravitated to like the whole wave of like Mickey Blanco doing what what he was doing when he first came out. Like just it was like I would never hear somebody rap. Well, I think the the wider audience would not expect to hear somebody rap on that, but coming from Baltimore like that, we have rappers that rap on club music all the time. Like, I think that's one thing that separates Baltimore Club from other club music is that we have, like, straight-up tracks, whereas, like, Jersey Club is, like, a straight-up club record, and they're chopping up vocals to the point of making them sounds. And, like, in Baltimore Club, we have, like, ballads, and we have, like straight-up rap songs. Like, Bank Rolls with Tim- Take Cobain remade that. That was already a song, like, 15 years before that. Yeah, who are some of the other guys in Baltimore who are kind of mixing more traditional street rap and club music, just out of curiosity? We don't have that. We don't have that um, as far as, like, street rap goes. I think, like, a lot of kids, um, club music at this point is kind of like cookout music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we club music is such a part of our identity that I don't think young people want to make it. We do have a scene of artists that's more in the central Baltimore scene like uh, Abdul Ali makes basically like a, a combination of club and rap music. DJ Juwan I remember. Yeah Juwan um, but Juwan is just a producer. We have DDM who kind of like dabbles in that world. TT the artist does it but other than that like the, the street artists aren't like really embracing club music in that way because they're trying to establish their own sound just for being Baltimore street rap because we don't have a sound for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the next wave was like trying to make a sound for what's coming out of that. I don't, I think Tay Cobain was onto something when he did read that bankrolls and I was selfishly really hoping that was like the beginning of something special. Like people love Baltimore club sound has proven to like uh, work in international crowds. So I don't know, maybe somebody will come along and, and embrace it one day. But at this point, do you think Baltimore Club is kind of more of like a historical reference point that still gets played a lot, but isn't so much like a new thing where like there's new artists coming up making it? Definitely not a lot. It's it's not like a detectable scene for club music the way it used to be. You can't go to one place and like, I want to hear all the new club shit that's coming out. It's just not like that anymore. Yeah, one thing we've kind of been talking about is all of these beats that don't sound like what 
somebody maybe even five years ago would have expected a rap beat to sound like. Why do you guys think that is? And I'm just thinking of examples like Lil Peep or like we mentioned Black Beatles or that new Lil Yachty song, Bring It Back, that it's just a straight up M83 song. So what do you think is driving this impulse? Towards being just trying to stand out and be different, man. That's what happens when you have a... Especially with the rise of like superstar producers and all, like more and more and more over the, the past few years, you have guys like Metro and like all the 808 Mafia and all of them who are like gonna kind of have a monopoly on stuff for a while because they're recognizable and you know they're gonna make a hit. And so when you have people who like they might not necessarily want to be making music first, they want to make the hit first, and like just like making a good song is kind of the back of their mind. They're like, I just need to get on the radio. You have these people like, well, make me something like that, make me something like that. And it's like, uh, maybe we should like, turn, like slow it down a little bit and like let's get back to the basics of like what this was supposed to be. And like, you're trying to put your identity out there more. It's halfway a branding thing, maybe. I think it's mostly though, like people just want to make good music where it's like, like this is my sound. And I think it's also a lot easier to have more reference points, given that streaming is sort of the norm and you're not beholden to what's on your local radio, what's in the record store, what's hot locally. And I think that is both a good and bad thing in terms of like both sort of eroding regional sounds while also causing people to do new and different things with them. I just said something that is completely contradictory. (laughs) I think it's definitely a case of younger artists wanting to establish themselves as different, like whatever different is. I don't think anybody came out the gate like, I want to make alt-rock. I just think that an artist like Lil Uzi was trying to disrupt shit because that's really at at the base of it. That's what rap is supposed to be. It's supposed to disrupt the norm. So at this point, we've already had all these sounds that have become conventions is now it's like, what else can I do? I can just make some non-rap shit, period, and call it rap, and that's going to make people upset. Not saying he's doing it to make people upset, but it's a big reason of why he's successful, why Yachty and Uzi are generating attention is because they make people mad that they don't want to do shit that old people do, and that's what rap was from the beginning. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was doing a radio show on my college radio station last week, and because I have gray hair, the next DJ called me an old head. <laughs> he was like, what do the old heads think of Little Yachty? And I was like, well, I mean, Lil Yachty's he's good. Like, uh, the point of, yeah, rap has always been, like, sort of avant-garde music. And so, like, it's cool to, like, like showbiz and AG, but showbiz and AG, if they were around today, they would be Little Yachty and Burberry Perry because back then, like, a conventional boom back beat was like a disruptive thing because you just got the technology to program a dun dun da and so today you have the technology to sample a fucking net label song so that's what you're gonna do that's the most avant-garde thing you can do lawrence who are some artists that you think are really interesting on the fringes kind of more on the underground who are pushing conventions keeping it within like trap music i guess I like a guy named uh, DP Beats. Drew, you probably know who he is. He's from Fayetteville, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, he um he actually produces a lot of stuff for Uzi. I found out about him because he produced this Chief Keef song called um, Fool Ya. And that song may be, like, a top three beat for me of all time. Like, it, it's just so powerful. Like, whenever I play, like, I've DJed a couple times and played it inside of a venue. Like, hearing that song on venue speakers is, like, 
I lose my mind when I hear that. So I think DP is good. He's also like gotten some placement with like Rick Ross and stuff like that. But as far as like away from that, it's a guy in Cameroon that I like a lot named Jovi. He raps and produces all his own songs. And I think it's really special because he's taking things that he's learning from American rap music as far as hi-hats and like having the rolling drums, but he's also putting in like whistles. Um, he's putting in um, some, some African drums. He's having people like scream in the background and like turning that into like a part of the beat. And it's like really eventful music. It, it sounds like you can play it at like Juve or play it at like the, at the carnival, like the West Indian Day Parade type of, type of thing. So yeah, I like Jovi a lot. And um, also it's a guy named JPEG Mafia out of Baltimore that I like a lot who makes like this kind of industrial punk-ish kind of rap music. is like really dirty sounding, but he also will put in like anime influence shit into it to make it kind of delicate to lay on top of all those elements so yeah those are those are three people i'm paying attention to yeah there's one there's like a really good dj haram bootleg of jpeg mafia yeah, i yeah, think yeah. that's a cops are the target is the track yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Of. and yeah. she she comes to baltimore a lot so like the that exchange happens a lot which is which is something that i hope keeps happening yeah it seems like baltimore and philly are kind of at the epicenter for really out there sounds where club and industrial music kind of meet mm -hmm. I think those two cities can really vibe out a lot because, first of all, they look just alike. They're super close to each other. It takes like an hour and a half to get to Philly or Baltimore, no matter where you're coming from. And I think because probably because of the Internet, it's like these these scenes in the central parts of those cities where you get like these kids that are from the neighborhoods of the inner cities that are starting to integrate with like art school kids or like kids who would play with certain sounds that are introducing the hood kids who would make club music and they're just making this crazy mesh of music like a more mother type she's from she's out of philly but she's playing in that type of scene and then in, in baltimore you have like a abdu who's doing the same same thing and it's coming that what they make comes out differently but i think the ingredients are the same Cool. Drew, how about you? I think if we're talking about ambient rap beats, we should definitely mention Illucid, who is a rapper and producer out of New York, the family in Asheville. Shouts out to Asheville. <laughs> a lot of these guys are sort of coming onto these ambient sounds on their own. And Illucid, meanwhile, is sampling ambient and noise records and then rapping over them or creating his own drones and rapping over them with, like, oftentimes, like, kind of more traditional drum patterns and stuff, and I think that's really cool. Also, if you listen to the new G. Perico album, which I'm currently oh, obsessed with. My... <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, then no, we no, should... No, 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 you, you go ahead, you go ahead. Well, the thing that I really like about the production, uh, about half of it was done by this guy named Westside Webb, and what Westside Webb in particular does is take these, like, synth lines that alone sound like they could be played at, like, Moogfest. Like, they sound like analog synth works. And then he puts the, like, mustard style, like, very steady 97 BPM drums on them. And then G. Perigo raps about temp shit, and it's great. <laughs> like, what else about G. Perigo? I kind of like how regionality is coming back into a lot of different sounds. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, that's, that's just, like, a very, very, very West Coast album where if you just gave it to someone and said, like, yeah, this came out in, like, the early 90s, they'd probably just buy it and yeah. not, like, think, like, twice about it. Although I think Mr. Fab would have something to say about uh, that sound being a West Coast sound. We should never forget 
that he bum-rushed a DJ Mustard show in Oakland to punch Mustard in the head <laughs> for uh, stealing, quote, his, a.k.a., like, vaguely hyphy shit <laughs> sound. Yeah, yeah L- L.A. did a pretty pretty clean jack of the hyphy sound, just added a slight R&B update, made it radio palatable, and took it to the bank. And you can't blame them for it, but I can also see where Mr. Fab is coming from on that. Yeah, Bay Area in general doesn't get as much credit for certain things as they should. Yeah, I think I think the guy uh, June on the beat is somebody I like a lot. I don't know if he's from the Bay or from Sacramento, but I know him because he produces most of Mozzie's music. Mozzie is a rapper out of Sacramento who was like extremely good with words, great storyteller, and I'm not sure what the sound of Sacramento is, but most of the songs I've heard from rappers from Sacramento, it basically sounds like. Bay Area music. Juno on the B is like one of those out of that whole region that's that's making some good stuff. Bay Area rap production is like your quintessential car music, as is in LA. But I think if you look at the last like 15 years or so of Bay Area music going back to like pre-Hyphy E40 and then Hyphy E40, it's always been about having music that's going to sound the best in a car with an absolutely unbelievable sound system that's parked in front of a bunch of other cars with also unbelievable sound <laughs> systems that are all playing at the same time. And you are seeing a bit more cross-pollination between the Bay and L.A. scenes, like Pilo from The Invasion did a bunch of beats on the YG record. Kamaya made an appearance on the YG record as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's signed to YG, isn't she? I'm not sure. That I don't know. I'm not sure. All right. If you're listening, please <laughs> go to Wikipedia uh, and then add us on Twitter. In any case, there's something, Trey, you brought up that I'm interested in is this idea of regionality. And, of course, like, while people talk a lot about certain kinds of flows relating to different areas of the country as far as rap, hip-hop production is always, the production has always had as much, if not more, to do with regionality than how people rap. I'm really interested in why you guys think that regionality is coming back and what that might mean. It's probably a big part of, like, the trap explosion and how everybody was sounding like an Atlanta artist or getting on Atlanta sound and stuff for the longest time. And it's just back to that whole thing we were talking about earlier about how like, yeah, you're trying to put your mark on stuff, make your own stuff. Like there's different influences can come in here and there, but well also, maybe it's also just that millennial nostalgia, if I can get my uh, buzzwords in real quick. <laughs> but um, yeah, like people going back and like listening to the history of their city and all. And so you get, New Orleans has some cool stuff going on. I just got back, who else? Yeah, we just talked about L.A., like New York. What like, kind of stuff did you hear in New Orleans? Honestly, if I wasn't listening to Big Frida, I was probably listening to Yacht Rock. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, B.T.Y. Young, he got shot, what was it, like earlier last week? Yeah. Yeah, he passed, but, like, he, he was having fun. It wasn't necessarily, like, that bounce kind of, like, Manny Fresh or, like, uh, old No Limit stuff you would associate it with. But it, st- it still felt like, you know, this guy couldn't be from anywhere but mm-hmm. New Orleans. NBA yeah. Youngboy is somebody else that's like, I mean, it's from Baton Rouge, but, you know. Baton, Ru- Baton Rouge does have their sound. I don't know how I would describe it off the top of my head, but Baton Rouge has their sound, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am like, yeah. I met Mr. Kane out there. He's very, very much like a Baton Rouge sounding dude. Yeah, I think, I mean, I might be reaching, but I, I honestly think that um, aside from people just maybe being bored with the, the same kind of sound that's been going on for, like, five-plus years now. I think, well, at least for me, just as a consumer, something that I think other people are probably hungry for, too, is just, like, with Instagram becoming the number one 
artists to consume a platform, I think it's, it's creating more familiarity with where people are from. Like, for me, I, I really enjoy being on Instagram and looking on different rappers and different artists' page and like, oh, this is what this city looks like. This is the kind of shoes that these kids wear here. This is the kind of belt that they might rock with these pants. I wonder what they talk like. I wonder what their sound is. I think, like, Instagram is, like, really giving us, like, we're basically surveilling these people, and they're giving us what we want as far as, like, this is the real authentic experience of being from this place. And I think having the music sound like that is just the icing on the cake to, like, really being able to fully experience some way without even having to go go to that place. I think it also goes back a bit to what Trey was saying about the importance of branding. I think after a really long time of, like, kind of the, like, a regional hodgepodge of like ASAP Rocky or whatever the fuck, you kind of are seeing this, yeah, like a return to a more city-based sound uh, in order to be like, okay, yeah, my name is Dave East. Hello. Uh, fuck Giuliani, chopped cheese sandwich, etc. cetera. <laughs> uh, would you like to listen to this song that sounds like it could have been played in the tunnel? I hope so, because that's what I just made. <laughs> and it's kind of a way of distinguishing yourself from whatever is currently happening on the radio by being like, well, this is this is how we did it back in the day. And now that you have Google, you can also figure this shit out. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like come off like an Instagram caption here, but like when everybody can be everything, it's kind of like then also everyone is kind of nothing. And I think that was this anxiety people had for a couple of years. I think that's years. a Drake lyric. Yep, almost <laughs> yeah, that is definitely like on that's, first of text. Yeah, <laughs> over a sunset, yeah. yeah. Before we go, I was wondering if you guys could just go around and say maybe an older producer that you think hasn't gotten the shine they deserve who's one of your favorites. Trey? I mean, he definitely has the shine, but I feel like people need to recognize that Manny Fresh is the best rap producer we've had in the past 20 years. And he helped put a word in the dictionary, you know? (laughs) It's like if you're talking about influence, that right there. But, nah, Manny Fresh, like... Unfortunately, like, some dudes just, like, didn't have it together in other aspects of who they were. Like, I still think BG's, like, their great lost talent of this generation. Like, we would have had so much more great music and, like, the stuff that was coming out. And, like, you could still hear his uh, influence. Like, you hear people shout him out and stuff. Like, of course, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Turk was a Turk could have been something great, too. And then, like, yeah. Manny Fresh also made, like, all those hits Juvenile was on, and it's... He made everything yeah. that they did. So. Like, like, yeah, like, look, look at like the stuff he made with Ti. Yeah. Look at it. He he gave a uh, Murphy Lee a banger. You know? like, that's, that can't be an easy thing to do. So, also Manny Fresh's intros, album intros, are the greatest things of all time. Chickens, ducks, ladies, children, <laughs> yeah, aliens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he really said the word scalawag on an album intro. Like no one can take that from him. I think. Um, I actually just watched Trombone Shorty at Jazz Fest hit Get Your Roll On. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, which was, yeah, I almost <laughs> broke out in tears. But, like, yeah, it's, he's he's everywhere, and, like, it's just a hard thing to, like, kind of capture because you don't know who exactly was influenced by him, but I'd mm-hmm. love that sound to come back. Yeah, I mean, I like, like Trey said, it's not a matter of not getting credit, really. I mean, maybe being lost in history, but that's that just happens as time goes on, but... I'm I'm always going to, like, give the most credit to DJ Paul and Juicy J for, like, creating everything that 3-6 Hypnotized Camp 
Project Pat. Like everything that came out of that whole Memphis scene is by far my favorite rap music of all time. And really, you could trace back all this like new gothic rap wave shit to Three Six Mafia. I mean, I don't. Maybe there was somebody before that, and everybody has a debate whether or not it was Bone Thugs or Three Six that started it. But I, think I would say in general, it's yeah. definitely Three Six because not only were they dressing a certain way and like looking gothic, they were claiming like triple six. They were also like some of the first rappers in my that I know of that were like super open about doing drugs outside of weed. Like they rapped about doing coke and were proud of it, <laughs> which was not acceptable back then and really not now. But I would say that they were like some of the first rappers that that would make non-weed and maybe non-lean <laughs> permissible. I mean, it's interesting uh, with 3-6 how kind of the constraints of the equipment that you have can become an asset because they like had like a fucking, they were recording on four track recorders in a garage. And before that, the wave was like, okay, we're going to save up all our money and go into the studio. Uh, and Three Six Mafia was like, "Well, no, what, this what, is a what, what rapper were you impersonating right there with the saving up <laughs> in the studio?" Uh, in my brain, that's just how Little Dicky talks. Oh, okay. um, but I was impersonating like a more a lamer version of myself. <laughs> has you has there been any progression in your years long Cold War with Little Dicky? No, I tried to bury the hatchet with Little Dicky. And have a debate with him with the no jumper guy mediating, and no jumper guy Adam he was he was with it, but little Dicky, he's he's too wow. big he's too busy cutting off uh, Richomi Kwan in his songs, or he's scared of you. Yeah, he's he doesn't he fears my power. Is there like a producer that you think should get more credit than they do currently? Ant Banks. I think if you are a rapper and you are starting out you should hit up Ant Banks for beats because his beats were the best in 94. And you know what? They're still pretty freaking good. <laughs> and I also think that without Ant Banks, you don't have the foundation for hyphy, which means you don't have the foundation for like all radio rap from like 2011 to 2014. Yeah, I was going to say, um, shout out Tracks Million, who I think is probably my favorite rap producer of the last two decades. So many unbelievable, unbelievable pieces of music come out of his studio, like super hyphy, obviously. But he just had the most hyphy, like kind of sound pack that he was working with it was just like unbelievable. And like so much music today is like, you have these producers reaching for like the farthest extremes of like what they can get out of their computer. And if you look at the kind of sounds that Tracks A Million was putting on songs that were getting pretty close to like national radio, I think that's a clear precedent for it, for showing like, you know, like using like, how weird can you be as a barometer of how crazy kids will go? Um, I think he, he was one of the, one of, he's my favorite from that era. You've been listening to The Thump Podcast, a production of Vice Media and Thump wanted to shout out to Tim Barnes, who engineers and edits the Thump Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at TimBarnes451. Where can we find all you guys online? I think I said last time I was on here, but don't at me online. Don't bother me. Don't talk to me, please. Please, please bother yeah. him. <laughs> no. Please bother him. And, you, and uh, it's uh, fine. It's at Slimmy Hendrix on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at TrueLaurels, um, T-R-U-E, 
L-A-U-R-E-L-S. Also, I make a zine under the same name that's about Baltimore music and visual art. So yeah, check that out. I welcome any and all music submissions. My Twitter is at Eric Sunderman. <laughs> My email is eric.sunderman at vice.com. Please send me your music. I don't care how much you suck. I want it to flood my inbox. Uh, no, my uh, Twitter is at Drew Millard, just my name, to piggyback on what Trey was saying. Anything you were thinking of sending to Trey, don't send to me. You can find me at Ezra underscore Mark on Twitter.com. Thanks, guys. No problem. We'll go take a nap. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.